0: Welcome to On the Edge with April Mahoney Brains. Here, this is the spot where the conversations are pointed, the guests are sharp, and the responses are never dull. Did you bring your thinking caps? Because it's time to put them on. Because the conversation starts
1: now. I'm I'm right there with you.
0: Are you with me? I'm with you. You are with me and the brains are with me right here on the edge at your second home, brains. You see this right here? This is the place. That's right. The place where the conversation is pointed and the guests are sharp. There she is. And the responses are never dull. Brains, we got a female comedian. Okay, I needed some laughter. I needed some love. She's really smart and heady. She got a full-time gig, but she's carved out a niche to do what her passion is and her calling. We want to hear about her story. We want to hear about how it is to write a good joke. You know, I sit here and I look at all these comedians, you know, and then they, how they banter back and forth. And what is the life of a comedian now? Because everybody's so cotton-picking serious. So let's join her to the edge.
1: Tracy Swanson. Hey April, nice to be here. Great, great. I'm doing well. Thank you. It's so nice to be here. Thank you for having me. Oh, I'm so glad to have you. Now you are in Illinois. Where are you at? In Illinois? So I'm in a suburb of Chicago, just northwest of Chicago. But I was born and raised on the city on the Chicago South Side. Oh boy. So yeah, so that's pretty much where like all of this writing, the creative writing and the ideas and the the different, you know, it's all drawn from, you know, personal experiences. So I have a lot of fun with that. Is it really as
0: tough on the South side of Chicago as people say it is, you know, because people always talk up stuff. I'm from South Central LA. And yes, you can walk down the street at night and walk your dog and all that. People always uh, embellish.
1: I think you're right. I definitely think there's something to that because my dad and my brother are still on the South side and I love going home. I walk the streets. I feel perfectly safe. Um, I, I think that if, if someone knows who you are and they're looking for you and you've done something against you know a gang or something like that, you will be found out. But I just feel like if you're from there and you're just you know doing your thing, I don't find that it's unsafe at all. I love it there. I mean, would I ever move back? I doubt it, but I love going to visit family.
0: Yeah. I live in San Diego. So I wouldn't go back to LA either. It's when I go back there, I'm like, I don't know how I did it all those years, but um, it's, it's a different vibe. It's a different
1: place. So how do you show up in the world, Tracy Swanson? Well, I, you know, I show up for everyone around me. I show up for my family, my kids, my job, you know, my hobbies, And, you know, pretty much whatever comes up in between, you know, I just sort of, it's a day by day. And, um, but I mean, I just feel like, you know, with being in this post COVID world, you know, there's just, there's been a lot of self-awareness, a lot of self-reflection, a lot of, you know, trying to figure out like, where are my goals? You know, what are my aspirations? And, you know, instead of having a five-year plan, I thought, you know what, why don't we just cut to the chase and make this more of a five day to a five month plan, you know, and start getting like my goals and checking off things on my bucket list. So, and I just feel like, you know, revving things up and amping it up has really worked, you know, and I just, I feel like it's brought a lot of positive energy to my life.
0: Yeah. Well, I'm glad for you because it's brought up a lot of fear mongering for a lot of people. They were isolated. They became depressed. They became fearful. They figured that it was the end. And again, you got to laugh to keep from crying. How'd you get into comedy?
1: Well, how I got into comedy was uh, when I was single and I was living on the north side of Chicago. So I went from south to north. Um, I had some time on my hands and I always loved sketch comedy. I always loved like Jim Carrey and In Living Color and Saturday Night Live, you know, and all these, you know, where people would take a character, you know, I love Carol Burnett. I love those variety shows in the early 70s. So I loved a lot of those earlier things too. And so what I did was I just signed up one day at um, the Second City Improv and I took some classes there and I had the best time, and that was more of like a group setting where we would just bounce things off of each other on stage, but I always kind of knew that, um, you know, like my calling was to just be up there doing stand-up by myself, you know, to just get up there and just talk about my perspective, and, you know, I, I just have a lot to say, a lot of experiences to draw off of. Are you a clean comic, or do you have a potty mouth? Um, I'm pretty clean, for the most part. I mean, I do swear a little bit here and there. But I mean, I don't, I mean, I know there's a lot of different kinds of comedy. There's, you know, there's sexual poetry, and there's this and that and music. And I, I do, I do like to implement music. But yeah, I'm pretty clean. Not squeaky, but. No, clean. And, and
0: that's okay. But you hear some of these women. Mm-hmm. They get up there and they're so vulgar. Oh, I've seen it. Yeah, they're really, really, and I mean, these are top paying. Now, again, nobody could put a cussing on you like Richard Pryor, or Bernie Mac, yeah, or uh, uh, who is this? A Cad Williams, right? Dave Chappelle. You know, Dave Chappelle. I love Dave Chappelle. Yeah, uh, because again, there's a story behind it. What? Is your genre? Do you talk more about your personal experiences? Do you talk about outside influences? Your kids?
1: Where does your comedy draw from? Yeah, my comedy draws from personal experiences, definitely. You know, just the things that I've seen in my life, the the fun things that I've done, the observations that you know have just come and gone, and you know, things that I've remembered, and even things like in my daily life, you know. Um, you know, just just random things will just anything that I can embellish and like say, oh, OK, um, you know, for example, I did something, you know, I did a sketch. The very first one I did up on stage was um, just based on the South Side Irish Parade.
2: Mm.
1: And, you know, and just the funny things that happen there, you know, the kids are drunk, but they're 14 years old, you know, DPD right, so right, right, needs, right, right. needs extra paddy wagons because these kids and they're harmless but you know, we've been there, I grew up in that setting. So it's pretty funny to me now to look back and go, oh, not much has changed. Right. So,
0: But you know, I look at, again, Dave Chappelle, somebody jumps up on the stage and attacks them. I you know. used to be able to talk about people that had a disability. You used to right. be able to talk about the fat. You able to talk about any minority yes. and that stuff be funny. Mm-hmm. It's funny, but now everybody is so phobic. Right. They yeah, are, and I and I don't get it. This is, you paid money to be entertained, to be laughed, mm-hmm. to laugh. Mm-hmm. You knew a little bit about the comedian before you walked in the door. Uh, I never would sit in the front row, though. No. <laughs> you don't want to get roasted. You don't want to get roasted. But I was right. just looking on television, uh, the Deaf Comedy cha- Jam. How, yeah. uh, you know, Russell Wilson just turned it out. Got the keys of comedy. And there was a lot of money in that at that point. Mm-hmm. But the life of a comedian is tough because I was looking at some of the people and how they aged. I saw a young Steve Harvey. I saw a young uh, Bernie Mac. It takes a lot to get up there and kill it with uh, an audience. How do, you, how, do you write your, how do you write a good joke and a punchline? What are the key elements, maybe I should say, in a good joke?
1: Well, I think the key elements are you never really know. You have to go in with the mindset that, you know, it's what you find funny and you have to go in thinking like you're hoping that you can get at least 70% of the audience laughing. Um that's usually what the goal is, but you never really know like the demographic of the audience. You don't know like what the age range is, age range is going to be of the people in the audience and what the people find funny. So basically, as long as you can just sort of hit on your tags, and hit on your punchlines and make sure that they're pretty close together. You know, you just basically have to hope for the best. And- Who do you try, who's your guinea pigs? Who do you try your jokes out on? Oh, uh, you know, my friends and my family pretty much. You know, like if I'm out with girlfriends or if I'm, you know, just sitting around the house, you know, I'll say, hey, what do you think of this? And sometimes, you know, I have an older son who's 20. So he finds a lot of it funny, but my teenager is still a little bit in that awkward phase. Mm-hmm. So, really, nothing I say is funny. Right. So, if everything you say you
0: know, is annoying. Oh, mom, yeah, really? Exactly.
1: You, right. Like, serious? I'm going to embarrass him. But at least my 20 year old, you know, is he has that comic, you know, where he could be like, yeah, that's actually pretty good. So, and, you know, a lot of serious
0: subjects are touched when it comes right. to comedy politics, yeah. sexuality, mm-hmm. uh, women's rights, right. narcissistic, alcoholics. Mm-hmm. So people have to understand that a lot of comics, and I don't know if this is true for you, have really lived a rough life. They've had sure. some tough experiences. And again, they laugh to keep from crying. Who are some of your in modern day influences? I know you mentioned some of the sitcoms nobody was greater than Lucy. Now I love Carol Burnett. Oh, sure. But Lucy was the best,
1: right? She was the best. But what happened to me personally was when I was younger and I would watch the Carol Burnett show,
2: mm-hmm.
1: you know, and, and she would do like those skits, like gone with the wind mm-hmm. and she would play Scarlett, and she would, you know, and he would say, you look so gorgeous in that gown. And she would say, Oh, well, I found it in the window. And, you know, she, yeah. and so there were so many things that I just thought of her to just go out there and to just, be, do her thing and, and what she does best. And just to take something ordinary and make it extraordinary, I just thought was phenomenal. And then when I was in sixth grade, I had the opportunity to play her when Carol Burnett was Miss Hannigan in the movie, Annie, Annie, oh, wow, yeah. I was able to play Miss Hannigan in our school play. And I was so nervous, you know, because she was my idol and I didn't want to get up there and mess up and uh-huh. I knew that it was going to be showtime and curtains. And I had to sing the song Little Girls. And I had to sing it, never ever knowing what a drop of alcohol tasted like. I know wow. my Southsiders are watching this going, come on. Trey!" Oh, wow. come but on, no, Trey. I was literally it was before that time. But I nailed it. And I got a standing ovation. Wow. And, and I was in sixth grade. And I just knew from that moment on, like there was something to that for me, you know, something to that feeling where you're so nervous, and you don't want to disappoint anyone and your palms are sweating. You don't want to let anybody down. So it's more about everybody else than it is about you.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, it's about like, are you going to be able to sell this? Right. You know, like, it's sort of like in comedy, like you write what you think is funny and you hope for the best, but you don't know what you're going to throw against the wall and what's going to stick.
0: Absolutely.
1: And but the, you don't honestly, know if you're going to be people... able to be Carol Burnett and make yeah. it work.
0: Because I'm, I'm a poet. And, you know, to get up there and then sometimes you might forget what you're going to say, but nobody knows what you're going to say until you say it. And something might spark in your mind and you have this whole dialogue, uh, you know, whole program. And then you change it in the middle. Would you like to do something like an SNL with that?
1: I would love it because um, two, two of my very favorite, you know, like when I was younger and I would like emulate, you know, I remember in October of 75, when SNL premiered. And I remember staying up late, I had just started kindergarten. And I was like, Oh, my God, I just loved Gilda Radner. And I, you know, and all of her sketch comedy and Jane Curtin at the news desk, and you know, flashing herself and, you know, all the funny things. And I loved John Belushi. And so there were just so so much to that, that I would just like try to emulate those characters to make my siblings laugh. Mm. You know, and I mean, you may have heard that before, like with other comedians where it was like, you know, there wasn't a whole lot to do, but you would, you would find something like that, that just sort of like calls to you and it's like, oh, I can do that. You know, and it's just, you just make people around you laugh. Well, I don't know if
0: you had an opportunity to read Will Smith's book, Will, but it's powerful and how he grew up always feeling that he was a coward, Mm -hmm. but, and his father was very violent and he drank a lot. But in order to keep the peace, Will was the funny guy. Mm-hmm. You know, he'd always make people laugh. He'd always be in front of the camera. And so he turned his pain into his payday. But you had a very
1: challenging upbringing. You had a brain tumor. As yes, I, I did. Right. Um, so basically what happened was, um, so I was in second grade and um, I just basically I fainted, you know, like it just sort of I, bla- I had a blackout. And nobody really knew what that was from. And, um and then, so when they scanned, did the scan and everything, and they found it, it was one of those things where it was, it was the end of my second grade year in 1978. And um yeah, I had to spend the entire hot, you know, summer in the hospital <laughs> that year, and it was no fun, but I mean, the, the silver lining in that was, it was not cancer. You know, they did do surgery to remove it like at the end of June or something like that. But I, I ended up coming home like in August, right around my eighth birthday. So, um, so basically what happened for me was, um, you know, I was going to go home with no hair. So that created a lot of anxiety and uh, you know, like, how am I going to go back to school? You know, with this shaved head, you know, girls are going to be hitting on me, you know, and they did. And, you know, so it was just a lot of like, just, um, nervousness, you know, and self-conscious, you know, being real self-conscious. And, you know, you just felt, I felt like I had no self-esteem and everything. So I think that prior to that, you know, with already having like sort of that creative ability, that sort of called to me, like, you know, like my mom and dad would say, you know, once your hair comes back, you're going to be beautiful and everything, you know, you're beautiful now, but you're going to be going to feel more like yourself and it'll happen in no time so don't feel like this is the end of the world like this is just the beginning like this is just going to be a little bump in the road and and you'll be fine but it it set me back about a year you know just like mentally and like trying to get my head around everything that just happened but um but one of the the things that i one of my silver linings and all that was that summer i just didn't know what to do when i came home i felt a little lost. And my dad said, well, there's this great movie that just came out a couple months ago called Grease. And I really think you would love it. I really think that with the singing and dancing and all the things that you do, you know, you'll really love to see this. And, and I did. And, you know, I, I think he probably took me to the theater about, you know, over 30 times, you know, just because oh, it was wow. the thing that I wanted to see over and over again. Like, it was just like, oh, you know, I want to do theater. So you know, I want to get up there and is-
0: we want to send a shout out to Olivia Newton-John because she was a soldier. She yes. fought three decades. A lot of people don't do that, in and out, back and forth. And finally, the, the body expired. She was tired. Yeah. And John Travolta was her cheerleader.
1: Yeah, and he sure he had, was.
0: And he went through that with his wife as well. So, mm-hmm. you know, to have someone to be by your side, to support you through this and encourage you. You know, because we all are organic and we all have an expiration date. Yeah. Okay. So what we want to do is we want to try to live our best life. Right. We want to live our dreams. And I'm so glad that you uh, not only have stepped outside of the box, but you're creating your own box. You know, that's huge. Some people never live their dreams. You got to feel your fear and do it anyway. You said Dan Aykroyd and John Bellucci were also SNL. uh, Yeah, they were crazy. Yeah, they they, were crazy, but you know. They were different kind of comics. They weren't the stand-up kind of, they were uh, the physical comedy, like- uh, Jerry Lewis. Oh, that was my
1: yes, day. Exactly. They were a lot like that for me. You know, you would have like Sean, you know, doing like his killer bees sketch or his cheeseburger cheeseburger, you know, and those were just the fun things. You know, they just, they made light of everything. And then you'd have Dan Aykroyd, you know, when they weren't doing their Blues Brothers sketches, he'd be doing like, you know, the Bat Mixer 77. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it can grind up the lungs of a fly. You know, he'd just oh, do God. like funny, you know, just different things like that. And i love the women and i i love that a lot of these comics were from chicago you know i didn't have an appreciation for that then because i didn't know all the background of all of that but um but a funny thing happened too because one of the first like even though it wasn't technically an snl movie was the blues brothers oh yeah and uh you know like that was the first kind of one that i saw you know i was in about fourth grade And um, so I was, I loved that, you know, I thought that was cool because that was filmed not that far from where I grew up. Oh, okay. And so I had this crazy experience in high school where even though that was like, nine years after the Blues Brothers came out, we were at a high school party in that neighborhood by that bridge. Oh, wow. You know, that 95th street bridge that they Mm -hmm. jumped. And somebody said to me, they said, you're the only one sober here. And they threw me the keys. And they and it was to my girlfriend's conversion van.
0: Oh, gosh.
1: Oh, yeah, gosh, I know you're gonna say it girl don't tell me you did. And so we were coming up to the bridge and we were the I was the first car with the first van. And those gates went down and I went around the gates. And I just hit the gas and went over that bridge, just to be like them. And I mean, honestly, April, I made it within a tenth of an inch,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and I, I, I had no feeling in my legs. Like I realized when I was, we were coming down, that that was already coming away, and I was like, I'm gonna kill everyone. I mean, and I was, it was just stupid. It was just a stupid thing to do for two guys, that, you know. I'll never life. Yeah, but in my it's life. classic but, now.
0: <laughs> I mean, you look yeah. back on it, and you go, wow, you know, right. I was a risk taker. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So be- that was
1: pretty impulsive if that tells you anything about me. So let's
0: ask you some fun questions. Yeah. If you were an
1: appliance
0: Mm -hmm. in the kitchen, Mm -hmm. what would you be, Tracy?
1: Well, let's see. I would probably be um, a refrigerator, I would say, because, you know, I can be like icy, you know? (laughs) in some extremes, <laughs> you know, on the freezer side. And then I could be like, oh, here's all the pretty fruits and vegetables and all the colorful things. Oh, so wow. there's a little bit of both in that with me. Yeah, I
0: think I'd be the, probably the, uh, the teapot.
1: Yeah. Oh, would you? Yeah, I'm
0: hot okay. and steamy, like the spout yeah. off. Uh huh. Yeah, I, I like that.
1: Yeah. If you have no, three wishes, what would they be? Well, they would be, you know, I, I think a lot, there was a lot going on in the world in the last, you know, number of years, you know, I would just like more, um, you know, with this, with the insecurity of the pandemic, you know, I would just like more like health assurance, you know, for our families. Like my mom is a COVID survivor, but she's a long hauler oh. and she's had a lot of suffering, wow. you know, from that, like she's living with symptoms and she's COVID negative. You know, it would just be nice to live in a world where, you know, you didn't have older family members, you know, that that come down with these and they have a suppressed immune system, you just wish that there was more for them, you know, in terms of health care. And, you know, I also wish like, I just felt like, you know, during, um, you know, after 2016, like our country was just so politically divided. Oh, my you know, God. And
0: 2016, there's still political. Well, divided. I know. Yeah, but during, crazy. I
1: mean, we finally have a little bit of relief from that. But You know, during that time, it just, it really brought to fruition, you know, like people would, couldn't talk to each other, you know, it it was just, it
0: separated the wheat from the straw. That's for sure.
1: It did. It did. You know, so it it puts a whole new spin on like, oh, I I really want world peace. But in a way, you know, that's what comedy does for me. You know, it's like, you know, you got to check your insecurities at the door and you got to go in there and you got to think like, it's all on, you know, I mean, nothing's off the table. With comics, you know, like if I want to go up there right now and make fun of Trump, or if I wanted to do that, then, you know, I mean, it's just a way to make light of, you know, what's happening in the world. And-
0: they they internalize it. They process right. it. They incubate it. Yes. You know, and then For they sure. try to justify it. There's yeah. no, it, and that's with a lot of things, you sure. know, it's not just yeah. the, pol- I call it politics. No. girl. I don't even call it politics. It's politics. Right. Um, sure you know, so that's, that's wrong. Okay. And then what would your third thing be?
1: Well, my third thing would just be, you know, I mean, I just want like happiness in general, you know, I love to be creative and make people happy, but I just feel like, you know, if, if I'm, if I'm sending my message across and people are happy and I'm, I'm doing what I'm doing best, I feel like, you know, that I'm making my world around me a better place, you know, and I just want people to be able to just sort of feel that energy and that creativity and uh you know just you know just general in general happiness for all i'm glad that all yours is sensible
0: because mine's a whimsical i want a world full of gelato Mm -hmm. (laughs) all different flavors right i want to be able to keep up my stamina to the day i die for some good sex Sure. and i also want to uh i want to laugh
1: yeah exactly and that goes along with happiness for me you know, if I'm up there and, and I do happen to get 70% of the audience laughing, you know, then I'm happy. So that's then right. I've done my thing. I feel like I've blown their minds. Wow. So, you know, we if can you only get animal. Much.
0: What animal would you be and why?
1: Oh, I'm sure I would be a puppy. <laughs> you know, because I mean, not a dog, but a puppy, because Her I just brother. feel like I have that soft side to me, mm. you know, and I think that that's kind of where I draw from, you know, with. Oh, you know, I'm not worried about myself. I'm just worried about, you know, are others, are others around me happy? Like, am I making other people happy? And I feel like that's what puppies do for me.
0: They so do. they do yeah. there's nothing. Like I was telling my husband today, I said, there's nothing like a puppy kiss. And then right. when they nestle their self up under your neck, oh my yeah. God, the world just turns inside out.
1: Exactly. So if I have my puppy at the end of a hard day, I'm happy. <laughs>
0: Oh, no. uh, so what are three things that you can't live without Tracy Swanson?
1: Well, let's see. I can't live without um, laughter. I can't live without um, happiness and, you know, what goes along with happiness, like, you know, trustworthiness and all of those things combined. And, um, and I also can't live without like, you know, being able to be creative, like the creativity in life. Right. You know, just being able to constantly be inventive and you know, those are three things that I have to have where I feel like, you know, if I can compartmentalize those things, you know, I just feel like that that's what makes me feel complete. So because then, you know, I'm I'm drawing on things and I'm Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, just experiences. Uh
0: What would you tell a 25-year-old Tracy Swanson?
1: Ooh. I would say, girl, don't jump that bridge. (laughs) I mean, you know, I would say, you know, try to try to take it back a notch because I know that, you know, where I'm at today is because of of young Tracy. You know what I mean? Like that's where I all of these kind of ideas all stemmed from. All of my dreams, the way that I was, the way that I am, it all carried forward. So I just feel like without her, I wouldn't be who I am now. So I don't know if I would say too much but I would just say, you know, buckle up. It's gonna be a fun ride, you know, keep doing what you're doing and stay focused and, you know, keep your eye on the prize, Um, you know, be empathetic, be humble, be, you know, reflect, Um, you know, because if you're not happy, you can't make anyone else happy. You know, that's pretty much the key to it. Um, Those are pretty much the things I would say. And, you know, not to let life get to be, you know, beat you down, you know, which is why I feel like with comedy, it's all about trying to keep the glass half full and not half empty. And I just feel like, you know, if I have that, or, you know, if 25 year old Tracy has that, then 52 year old Tracy will definitely the best be the best that she can be and the best that she's ever been.
0: How old were you when you stepped out onto the comedy stage? Uh, I was, let's see, 11. Oh, wow. So you've been doing this a long time. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yep. So you've entered talent shows and different events. Yeah, all those things. Right. And and you know what? Before I forget to tell you this, too, I want you to reach out to Carol Burnett before it's too late. Okay. I heard that she's very responsive. You might get an autograph, photograph. So a friend of mine was a friend of hers. My friend passed away or I'd hook you up. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, but but send it out. They said that she's very responsive to her fans because she was one of a kind. So what do you want your legacy to be, Tracy Swanson?
1: You know, I want my legacy to be where, you know, um, one of the things that my, my son did when he was in elementary school was he wrote a, a paper on how I made my mark. And I just feel like, you know, in terms of answering this, I would say the same thing, like I made my mark by trying to step out of the box, you know, not being, not letting fear hold me back you know, trying to keep my goals at the forefront of my mind, Um, you know, making others happy, making my, you know, kids secure, you know, husband, you know, the whole, the whole nine yards, you know, just, uh, just wanting that, you know, keep working on my dreams, basically, never feeling like it's too late, you know, feeling like, make a goal, set your goal, reach your goal. You know, I want to be known for that. That's what I want my legacy to be.
0: Well, you are definitely a risk taker. Thank Uh, you. You know, I'd love to see you on stage when you come to, I told you, come to San Diego or Mm -hmm. I'll even come up to see you up in LA. So what's on the horizon for you? Are you auditioning now? Are you writing new material? Are you
1: submitting yourself to sitcoms, SNL? Where are you at in your career? You know, right now I'm trying to find an agent. So if there's an agent out there that's, you know, looking for a funny lady, here I am. Okay. So, so I'm basically doing that and I'm doing a lot of open mics, you know, the Laugh Factory and different places and, you know, just getting my work, you know, everything that I write out there and, you know, just, you know, testing out the material just to say, okay, you know, does this work? Does this not work? And, you know, just getting a feel for what, you know, what it is besides, you know, it's funny to me, but is it funny to them? And, well, you know, you, that's not always going to be the case.
0: You know what would be great, too? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Do you have your own podcast? No, not yet. I'm, I'm telling you. And, really? And, and feature underdiscovered talent. Okay. Again, again, that's what Russell Simmons did. Did he? Absolutely. Uh, okay. Def Comedy Jam. He created oh. that. Okay. So, you know, you get people on there, you give them, you know, do a set. Mm-hmm. Funny. People re listen to it. And then right. make it a subscriber service. Make some money. I'll talk to you about that offline. Okay, that sounds I'm a, great. I'm a queen of marketing. So, <laughs> no. um, right. I really uh, admire you. Like I said, that you are a woman of a particular age, and that you are still very robust. You're beautiful. I love your Thank cheeks. You. Thank you. <laughs> you know, you're vivacious, and you want to make people laugh. You want to make people happy. Brains. Happiness is an inside job. Okay. Mm-hmm. Happiness is like cocaine. Oh, yes. Right. People are always chasing the high. Right. What's the next thing that's going to set me up? What's the next thing that's going to take me to that next plateau? So uh, laugh yoga. I didn't think that. I thought that was a crock. Right. I did it, girl. I was exhausted. Uh, my, my abdomen was quivering right. afterwards, it was a lot of fun. And you can just make yourself laugh when there's really nothing funny. And you laugh yeah. long enough, everything becomes funny. Sure. So you are a funny lady. Please tell my buddies how to get in contact with you. Do you have uh, some of your work and some of your performances on YouTube?
1: Um, I'm about to upload a video now. Um, I'm on a new computer and I was going to put a couple of my reels, you know, up on YouTube. So when they are there, maybe I can just, do I just post to your page or just yeah, to my you, own yeah, page? Just go
0: ahead and, yeah, just go ahead and let me know and I'm going to okay. share them because I can't wait to see them. Okay, great. Thank you, and April. Like I said, I want you to manifest your dreams. I want you to already see yourself on that stage, uh, yeah. an audience full of people, right, wiping their eyes because they're belly aching over your yeah. comedy. And then you walk off that stage and grab that monster check. I
1: already yeah. see it, okay? Oh, great. Thank you. Right. Thank, Thank you so, so much. much. Okay.
0: Laugh your way all the way to the edge. <laughs> oh wait where's my paper oh i've got my mug she got her mug look at that she's drinking she's drinking that's a happiness cup too yeah Uh, Yeah. your cup runneth over brains i need you to go in and subscribe to my channel i need you to like it love it share it one more time like it love it share it and subscribe it because this is where it's happening this is the best podcast on the planet well, next to the one that we're going to start for Tracy. All right? Yeah,
1: thank you.
2: All okay. Right. Thanks, you April.
1: All right. Bye, Bray. Okay. Bye. Thank you. Thank you so much.
2: Give it up for? Uh, Tracy
0: Swanson. Woo! Yeah. <laughs>
2: are with me. Oh, that's so good. I really want this to be like an animal house situation right now where I can just, I gave my love a cherry. <laughs> <It was laughs> the thing up. There's three missing <laughs> songs, so over here.
1: So, hey, guys. Oh, it's so cool to be here. Thank you.
2: This is so surreal. So, I'm from Chicago Southside. Woo! <laughs> Woo! <laughs> Living in Palatine right now. But I have to clarify, I'm from the toxic side of the South Side. So if something doesn't resonate, I'll get the birth defect check later. That's all I can say. But if you ever really wanted to check out the South Side, next Sunday is the day to do it. Because that's the day, the day of the South Side Irish Parade. Whoa! Yay! Good times. That's a wild time.
1: So basically, you've got two
2: groups at the Southside Irish Parade. You've got your innocent bystanders and families crowd. You know, that's anything 14 and younger. And then you've got your uh, reckless drunks. And that's 14 and over. I remember those days. I mean, come on. We were all doing it. Paddy wagons are lined up. Red solo cups. I mean, the the whole thing. So basically, you've got that going on, and then inside the bar, you've got ladies like me reuniting with all the uh, the Southside ladies, the Sheens, you know, and all the goodies. And we're like, we're, we're we're getting bombed on Jameson shots. We don't even know what holiday it is. You know, we've got the bartender warning us. He's saying, "Hey, bitches, put those things back. This is not party." party. <laughs> we are not Beats here tonight. (laughs) You know, you don't want to piss off the South Side woman. I mean, come on, that's when our moms come out, right? The real Latin kings. They were like the 70s, you know, the, the rollers, the wire rollers, and the hair a little bit. That's why the South Side changed. I mean, those mothers left, and that was that. But the thing about it is, when that bartender tells us that, and that inner South Side comes out, Look the fuck out. Because <laughs> here's what's going on. We're going to go back at him and say, hey, that attitude is about as contagious as the clap. So <laughs> the face while the light up those shots. Woo! <laughs> 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 yes! Yes! Gotta do it. And so the beauty about being back on the south side is like, it, oh my god, so many memories. So I remember like cruising down 95th Street, getting my license, 1986. Damn. Like we didn't need GPS because we had White Castles. You know, like every four mile was a month White Castle. So when my friends call me up right now and I'm coming out there and they say, hey, we moved, go to that White Castle on 127th and and Right, go down three blocks, so you see my car on that driveway on the left. It's like, oh, yeah, I know, we didn't need addresses, street names, oh, no, still don't. Yes, yeah, so that's pretty cool. And it's kind of cool, too, because my dad still lives out there, so I can go out and see him. And what was nice was that when we moved to Palatine, well, we, you know, I'm a transplant, so my husband's from here. My dad was such a good sport. He would say, hey, you know, just, you know, I'll be your, I'll be your sidekick. I'll cruise around with you and we'll get the lay of the land. So one day we're doing that, we're cruising down Quinton and I didn't know what that meant either. But my dad, you know, he has a history, you know, he sold cars. So he got really excited one day, we're driving, and he's like, he looks over and he's like, oh wow, look at that luxury car dealership, we gotta check that out. I'm like, dad, that's a high school. Oh. This is not, you know, this is not a Dick James
0: Ford
2: situation. This is not South College. I'm sorry. You know,
0: this is not Evergreen Park. We're not talking about Chevys and
2: Ford's. So, yeah. But then I got to get my dad back because, you know, we've got this work from home situation going on for during the week. You know, I'm sure you guys too. But, you know, the work from home thing, like versus work from the office, it's so different. It's like trust versus no trust. Love versus hate. And a good example is that of that is that, so what happened was, you know, they love us all of a sudden, but they hated us then. So literally I could say, hmm, I'm on my third Mai Tai on the beach in the Bahamas, and all I need is that notification on my phone, you know, to say, hey, Reminder, Zoom call at 3, don't pass out.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Spit that sand out,
2: bitch. <laughs> and I can do that, I can do that, it would be all good. Now versus being in the office where there was no trust, and I would call in literally and be like, hey, I just got carjacked at 63rd in the Dan Ryan. But they would need a note from the cop. What the fuck? This is gonna be hell. I say, cops, come on,
1: you gotta flash something. Mm. <laughs> anyway, it's there. but now with the whole trust thing, we're getting
2: all these employee surveys coming in. So it's like, oh, they want to know what we think, what we can do. You know, what can we do to make it better? So one of the questions that always comes in is, hey. What can we do to make your work-life balance more successful? Send wine, motherfuckers. <laughs> Send anything with a W. Wine, weed, watermelon. <laughs> Weigoo. <laughs> the
1: Japanese beef, something like
2: that. I actually thought that was a Japanese breed of dog telling me to go <laughs> fuck myself. <laughs> good for the longest time. <laughs> fancy word on the night. I mean, it knows it's going to be grinder. Alright, am I up? Yeah. Oh, oh yeah! Uh-huh. Alright!